It's that time. Everything and anything basketball. Presented by The Outrage. With Cajun Fierutani Castleman and host Spencer Byers. This is Polar Opposites. Welcome everyone. Polar Opposites back again. Spencer Byers, Cajun Thiru, Thinny Castle. Yes, sir. At it one more time. And Cajun, we're going to get quickly into it because the record has finally been broken. Caitlin Clark drops a clue high 49 points to break the women's NCAA scoring mark previously held just hours ago by Kelsey Plum formerly of the Washington Huskies, and now, of course, of the reigning two-time WNBA champ, Las Vegas Aces, Caitlin Clark, with now games to spare, holds the record. And again, she had a career-high 49 points at home against Michigan to set the record. Not a, not not too many ways you could have topped it, KKH, other, other than the way she did. Hitting a three from the logo. Not only that, but dropping a career-high in the night. 49 and 13. Like, the thing that upsets me is, like, we neither of us got a chance to watch it. Hence, we were both working, so there was that. Now, I got to wonder, Spence, you said Crystal Pete was 3,667. Yeah, so she's now third on the all-time list of either gender, men's or women's. The two players ahead of her are LSU great and NBA great Hall of Famer Pistol Pete Maravich at 3,667, while number two, who is just three points behind Pistol, is former Detroit Morrissey guard Anton Davis, who was... Uh, eligible last year. I believe his last season of NCAA basketball was last year for Detroit Mercy as he chased the record of Mr. Maravich and he ended with 3,664. Caitlin Clark currently has 3,569. Yes, a lot of numbers, but basically saying she's about a. Th- she's a. 90, 98 points away from time. Yeah, she's, she's about 100 points away from. The great Pistol Pete Maravich. How many point? How many games do they have left? Uh, quite a few. She. So, so, so you're saying? So you're saying? So I'm saying there's a chance. There's more than a chance. I mean, you definitely would think so with the way she's been playing. Of course, you do don't want have... to say anything's a guarantee, but average, average-wise, is there more than five games left? Uh, I definitely think there's more than five games left because I think she has at least because uh, every NCAA team there's four games left. There's four. four games. They four play games at left. Indiana, host Illinois, at Minnesota, end the season at home against the Buckeyes of Ohio State. So pretty much in terms of quick math, in order to tie the record, she has to average 24 and a half points. If she averages 25 a game. During those four games, during those four games, 25 a game, she's breaking it. She's averaging basically 30 a night right now, so you'd say it's in the cards, but one-off night cage can uh, dispel that pretty quickly. 
Uh, maybe, or she could drop fifty again. Maybe or she could drop like she could drop another forty-nine piece, like she just did. Well, we did want to start off the episode because we ended it last time with it, and we were kind of waiting till she broke it to release the next uh, episode of Polar Opposites. But Caitlin Clark is now officially the the highest scoring, the most total points of any woman NCAA basketball player. So I'll say shout out to Caitlin Clark, but uh, just like, commiseration to Caitlin Clark for setting the now modern record. And a record, That's to be it. honest, Cage, may not be touched for a while. I mean, all records are meant to be broken. Yeah, but the next, the next girl to do it, Cage, has got to be very, very good for all four years for college career. In the way the women's game is growing, I wouldn't be shocked if it happens within the next 10 years. Well, I guess you said that live on mic, so I guess we'll have to come back and see if you are right. Or if I can chuckle at you one more time, which which honestly I would appreciate, Cage. I honestly I would appreciate. Hey man, if somebody does it within the next three three ten years, I'd look like an all time genius. Yeah, you you'd never look like that, Cage. You'd never look like that anyway. We will now move off of the great Caitlin Clark, who continues her her, I'll say torrid run with the Hawkeyes towards the WNBA draft that's coming up relatively soon. Obviously, will come after the NCAA season at the end of March. But, you know, Kelsey Plum, who had the record just hours ago, she was drafted first overall. So, Caitlin Clark has been the projected first overall pick for a while, and we'll see if she can also follow in the footsteps of a very good Las Vegas guard. And the Beaver are drafting first, right? Yes, they are. They Two have years to be in a bear. row after, after drafting Boston. And the Beaver brain trust has to be, like, they'd have to be brain dead not to draft Caitlin Clark at this point. Well, and Indiana is in the Northern Hemisphere, so not like it's not that far from Iowa. Mm-hmm. But as I said, moving off of the uh, women's game, specifically the college game, we're going to skip to something that I know Cajun can't wait for. He's been chopping at the bit, has been licking his big lips, has been rubbing those sweaty hands together for this one. Doc Rivers, as Cajun likes oh, to say, Glenn Rivers, as he likes to say, Glenn Rivers, the current head coach of the Milwaukee Bucks, formerly of the Los Angeles Clippers, the Boston Celtics, and the Orlando Magic. Some people forget about the Magic, but they were his first NBA team that he was ever coach of. The Bucks have really struggled under Coach Rivers's watch. They're three and seven since he ta- since he took over from Adrian Griffin, who got a nice severance package and is now watching from his couch in I assume Milwaukee, but wherever he decides to place his apartment. And laughing right now, too. And and Milwaukee's really struggled under Coach Rivers, and he was uh, upset with tonight's effort in a loss, a 113-110 loss to the shorthanded Memphis Grizzlies. Memphis was without John Moran, as we all know, Jaron Jackson Jr., Desmond Bain, Marcus Smart, Brandon Clark, and Luke Kennard in the last game before the All-Star break, which again means Doc Rivers 
will be the head coach of the Eastern All-Stars. So a guy who's gone th- three and seven in his first 10 games with his team is now going to coach the Eastern All-Stars, which is kind of funny, by the way. But uh, he he was very upset with his team's performance. He said, uh, and I quote, we had some guys here. We had some guys in Cabo. So obviously Coach Rivers is uh, not exactly being impressed with the way his new club is started under his tutelage. And I'm not sure if the uh, Milwaukee Bucks brain trust, if the if the brass are exactly happy with it either, because again, they fired Adrian Griffin when they were, if I'm not mistaken, Cage, the best team in the East or damn close. I mean, the way the Bucks came out yesterday or probably doing this at 1244 a.m. The way the Bucks came out on Wednesday against the Heat, a decimated hate team might have had no Butler, no Rosier. And got their butts kicked at home kicked at home and then put up an effort like this against Memphis. Seemed like Doc seemed like sorry. Seemed like Glenn Rivers was in Capo too. And the NBA media, I don't know what dirt he has on them or on players. We'll give him a pass, but I ain't going to give him a pass. He's a bum of a coach. Overrated. Overrated. I'm still shocked that he has an opportunity as a head coach. It's absolutely disgusting that he's coaching the East All-Star team. And Especially now with Cleveland being second in the East and Milwaukee in this little free fall here. In the East, and again, the only reason why it's a conversation of who will coach the Eastern All Stars is because they won't let my boy Joe Missoula coach it because he coached it last year for the Boston Celtics, who continue to be the gold standard in the Eastern Conference. Yeah, shout out for shout out to Joe Mozzarella for getting his 100th win as a head coach. Shout out to the Boston Celtics head coach who continues to prove doubters wrong, including the guy sitting across from me in this call. He continues to doubt my guy, Joe. But anyway, Cage, continue your continue your soliloquy on your favorite head coach I, in the NBA. I, I just think Udoka was a better fit for that Celtics team, but that's just me. Uh, he should have kept his hands off the hands off the his uh, co-workers. I mean, yeah, but he's a better coach than Joel Missoula. I mean, he still got to prove that. You know, he's doing a really, he's had a pretty good first season with Detroit, but he's got to prove it again. He's only coached in the NBA cage now, what, one and a half you, years as, as a head you mean coach? Houston? You mean Houston? I, what, what team did I say? You said Detroit. I'm like, bruh. I meant Houston. I meant Houston. You know, Detroit, ironically, has probably had the worst. <laughs> They were better last year under Dwayne Casey than they are this year with uh, Monty Williams, who I think is overrated as, as heck. We talk about overrated coaches. You know, Cage, before the season started, we said we did our top five best coaches in the NBA. Mm-hmm. Maybe next episode we can talk about – I'm not going to say the five worst because that just seems mean. The five most overrated head coaches. Oh. Oh, in Glenn Rivers is at the top of that overrated list. I mean, I think Monty Williams is fighting for it. Right now with how well he's done in Detroit and how well he did it with Phoenix before that. But anyway, 
I mean, I mean, in fairness to the Phoenix one, he really helped that Phoenix team get from the ground up, especially with the herb with the Rubio Booker years before Chris Paul came into the picture. They gotta give him a little bit of credit for that. And the fact that they made an NBA finals too. He's he is still overrated. But just not as overrated as Glenn. I I never argued that fact. I just said they're in the conversation, Cage. They're in the conversation. Fair enough. enough. But no, Doc Rivers has really struggled with Milwaukee. And again, you don't it's really hard to tell if it's a Milwaukee thing because you've already spoke about it. You, you don't think he's a very good coach. I think it's becoming a more popular opinion is Doc Rivers not, is not a great head coach. I say it's and, both. And, but, yeah, exactly. You, you can't really blame, I'd say, one side more than the other with the way the Bucks have continued to struggle. Because 10 There's... games is a trend. Like, in an 82-game schedule, 10 games is basically one-eighth of your season. Mm-hmm. So, like, that's a trend. I think the biggest problem that I'm looking at right now, the bigger problem, like, another big problem that nobody really talks about in the NBA media, and I don't know if these guys get called up by the NBA media or they have dirt on them, but Damian Lillard has not been the same Damian Lillard and obviously a big defensive downgrade from... Through holiday, this is the first season in which there's like championship level level pressure, and he hasn't played up to par. Point blank, point blank, he hasn't played up to par. Like you could say, Giannis has struggled. Giannis has has had his ups and downs, but he's had some really stat wise, he's had some great games. Obviously, Middleton being hurt again, it doesn't help matters out. But defensively, there's some flaws that I think will prove fatal and fatal come playoff time. And even Shaq said this right after the game, right after the game. Like I think the inside the NBA crew is in Indiana right now. The way the Bucks are playing, they could easily get swept in the playoffs. But nah, aside from Glenn Rivers, who I am a big fan of, sarcasm if nobody got that reference, anybody didn't get that reference, Damian Lillard has also been a big problem there too. He hasn't played up to par. And he well, better Cage. do so in, and he better do so in quick. I know there's, there was going to be an adjustment process playing from Portland to being a, the number two behind Giannis. But he got to step it up. I got to be honest, Cage, and and I don't think the stat sheet tells the whole story a lot of the time. But when you look at Damian Lillard specifically, he's never been that efficient. He's never shot over, from what quickly looking, Cage, over 46% from the field. He's never shot over 46%. He's only hit that mark one, twice in his career, shooting mm-hmm. over 46%. He's shooting about 20 or about 42.5% right now. And he's also shooting his least amount of attempts per game since his third year in the league. So that's almost a decade 
since he shot this little. And I mean this little. He averages about 17 attempts a game compared to his normal 20, which, again, is because he moved from being the guy to being the guy beside the guy. He went from being Batman mm-hmm. to being Robin. His three-point percentage is down from last year. It's hovering-ish around his normal normalcy for him. But it's also, ironically, if you exclude his season where he only played 29 games back in 2021-22, excluding that year where he only played 29 games, he is shooting his lowest field goal percentage since, and I quickly look, Cage, quickly look, since his fourth season in the NBA, and his three-point percentage is at its lowest, if you exclude the 21-22 season, it is at its lowest since his third year in the league, at 34% from three. So it's been a struggle efficiently. And again, I think this is just the idea of how efficient was he in Portland. And it didn't matter how efficient he was because when you're taking all those shots and you are the guy and you do get a bulk of the offense, you can be inefficient. Russell Westbrook mm-hmm. had that kind of problem in OKC. You can be inefficient when you take that many shots because you're gonna make you're gonna make enough where it's not gonna matter how inefficient you are. When you don't really get that chance playing beside Giannis, you have to be efficient, and he hasn't gotten more efficient. And that's the, and that's a concerning part because the sort of gravity gravitational pull that Giannis has, you would think would theoretically open up open up Lillard's offense and have him be more efficient, but it hasn't been the case. It's got, it's got ironically gone the other way. Last year, he shot 46% on more attempts. And I got to make it, you wonder, is he playing, like... Is he hurt? And I think that's where you're yeah. going with that, Cage. But but even with that being said, like, the, the reality is, and this is just a, a logic the NBA especially uses, the less attempts you take, the better your percentage has to be. If you go from shooting 10 shots to 7 shots a game your percentage needs to get better because that should mean you're optimizing your your attempts, meaning mm-hmm. that every attempt, those seven attempts you're taking are better shots than the 10 you're taking before is the idea. So if he's shooting less and making less, that's an exponential pendulum fall into the negative for for Damian Lillard, who I will quickly say, Cage, so with the percentage drops in three-point percentage and field goal percentage and the attempts dropped in free throw attempts and in, um, obviously, like field goal attempts, even though, ironically, his free, free throw percentage is at, I think, highest of his career. Well, near his highest of his career. is in It's ninety two over 92% only the second time he's hit that mark in his career over 92% from the free throw line on less attempts, mm-hmm. which is, again, exactly what you want, Cage. He averaged 32 a game last year. He's averaging 24 a game this year. That's an eight-point-per-game drop, and all the percentages have gone down. Yeah. And the assists went down from last year to this year. I will like, say this in, I will say this in defense of Dame Lillard because you said his field goal percentage, excluding that 2020-21 season, has been his lowest since the 2015-16 season. What was more, what's notable about that 15-16 season? That was the first season in which he was the top guy. 
because LaMarcus Aldridge went to the Spurs in free agency previous offseason. So maybe in terms of this, this might just be an adjustment period for him. You got to hope so, Cage, because, you know, the whole point of getting Damian Lillard was to win a championship, was to keep Giannis in Milwaukee. And if Lillard's not going to be able to do that, does that mean Giannis leaves anyway? And then if he does, does that mean you trade away Lillard? Because what's the point of having... You know, what's the point of having a chrome, uh, chrome tires when you got no car? Mm. Like, so it's really interesting with the way Milwaukee's been playing. And again, they're a good team, and they have the potential to be an NBA championship team. But they got to put it together. And mm. this jigsaw puzzle has been very difficult to solve for the Milwaukee Bucks. This Rubik's Cube has been nigh impossible to figure out. And I still think that Adrian Griffin was wrongly fired. Well, I'll say it wrongly. Right. I think he was prematurely fired. I don't think they I gave think him so long, of, long enough of a chance because, again, he's a first-year head coach. You give him basically half the season, and then you fire him? Like, give me a break. Give me a break. At least give him a playoff run. But he's a rookie head coach. You don't think he's going to run into the snafus, into problems? At, the, at least at the very least, if you're going to fire him, fire him after, like, the end of the season. But even so, my I, I, mean, can, I, I think my biggest problem with the cage, honestly, is not just that he was fired as a furky head coach halfway through the season. It's all of those things, but the the the, 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 the top thing for me that just grinds my gears about it, why'd you hire him? You yeah. went through the entire offseason you had a chance to hire doc rivers during the offseason like you had this entire summer you did your head coaching search you interviewed lots of candidates you chose adrian griffin who ironically was up for the raptors job before darko ryakovich got it because adrian griffin was an assistant in toronto and then you hire him away from toronto from the nick nurse tree and then you fire him halfway through the year for really no reason that's ever came out. Not like something came out like Ima Yodoka or something came out that where he, where he used a racial – like he, he said something stupid or like he did something. Nothing's come out. So at this point, we have to take it at face value and just say they fired him over performance when they're the second best team in the East. Yeah, their defense isn't good. That's what happens when you trade probably one of the best defensive guards in basketball. For one of the worst defensive guards in basketball, but you know it's it's gonna happen. Mm-hmm. So it's just it was a baffling move when it happened, and now with Milwaukee struggling after the after the 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 firing, it makes it even more baffling, even more confusing. Because you fired him while it was going good, now it's going bad. Like, do they fire Doc Rivers now if, like, Milwaukee continues to fall? Like, where do you go now? Glenn Glenn Rivers should have never been hired in the first place, but that's just me. So Milwaukee's really intriguing to look at right now. They're going to be continually under the microscope now for the rest of the year because of the coaching change at such an odd time. You've got Demi Lillard. You've got, you know, Giannis Antetokounmpo. You've got Chris Middleton. Like, it's they're going to be under the microscope Brooke, even Brooke more. Lopez too. Yeah, like they're going to be they're going to be in they're going to be inside the 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 you know the fire 
the rest of the season because everybody's going to have their eyes looking right at Milwaukee, especially if they continue to free fall. And they're going to be a dangerous first-round team if they do keep falling and do end up having to play a top seed. But still, you got to find a way to make a click. You got to find a way to make a click. They're fine. They have the upside to be a shocker cage. But obviously, they, they still have a little bit of give before they really start to free fall. But again, they're now behind Cleveland for second spot in the Eastern Conference by about two and a half games. And Cleveland's looked good too. And Cleveland's been on been basically the opposite. They're nine and one in their last ten compared to Milwaukee's three and seven. So, you know, they're um, complete, complete opposite sides of the spectrum there between Cleveland and Milwaukee. And you could argue like Cleveland had a bigger reason to like drop for uh, like drop down the standings because of the injuries that they were dealing with. With Garling and Mobley for weeks or yeah, the, months. The plethora of injuries. There's just litany of injuries they've had. And but uh, not only now, did they not not but, only did they withstand it, they actually got better and vaulted up the standings. And now with Garland and Mobley back in the picture, it's just it's it, been it, a locomotive train. Yeah, and they and they exactly they've gotten better after getting, you know, keeping the train rolling without those guys. Now moving off to the Indiana Pacers, Pascal Siakam made his return to Toronto after the trade from uh, the Raptors to Indiana. The Pacers won 127-125. Cajun was, of course, there, a part of his uh, work. Siakam. I was actually at the game. Siakam had 23-5-7, five rebounds, seven assists, 23 points. On semi-efficient shooting in the win, our boy Tyrese Halliburton had 21 and 12. Well, well, let me correct you right there. I was at the building, but I wasn't working. Ooh, you, you got the day off. I was. I had tickets. Ooh. And Valentine's Day special, but hey. Oh, it's Mr. Sappy over here. Got it. Okay. You know, you didn't invite me, Cage. I feel a little offended now. I wasn't invited. I wasn't invited, you know? It's good good to know, Cage. Good to know. You know, I'll keep that in mind. I'll keep that in mind. Hey, man. What will make it even worse is that they were giving out Siakam jerseys for free. That's actually really funny. That's actually really funny, by the way. I mean, yeah, I, bet okay, you, I, so. I, I wouldn't even take one for free, Cage. I wouldn't even take one. You have to pay yeah. me to take that, Cage. Pay me. Uh, uh, I don't know, man. Like, you, you, could, you can literally just sell it down the line. Sell it for Come what? A bag of chips? You can even get know. a Miss Vicky's for that. I don't know, man. Um, so, backstory. Before I went to the game, I had actually worked a pre-production shift there. Um, so, I had just finished that. And I was going outside to make a reservation, to make a dinner reservation. And the minute I went out of Scotiabank Arena... Some guys from Red Bull were literally giving out jerseys, and I'm like, and I literally could not believe my eyes. I was like, y'all are really giving jerseys like that away for free? And yeah, that's how I that's how I got and the over that's how I got an OVO Siakam jersey. Never ended up keeping it. It was a gift. It turned out to be right place where I tell them like you know what I got a lot of jerseys let me get my girl let me get my girl that jersey so yeah 
fun game to go to too. Uh, not a lot of defense being played, but hey, it's the new age NBA. When you when you got the best offense, one of the best offensive teams in the NBA in Indiana in town, you shouldn't really expect much defense, Cage. In all fairness, I don't think you should really expect much defense. Period. But that's just me. I mean, I mean, uh, Cage, I gotta be honest. Well, cheese, you didn't invite me. You know, I am a little cheese. You know, you know what you know what I love Indiana. You know what we love Indiana. Andrew Nemhard, Tyrese Halliburton, Obi Toppin. You know, our boy T.J. McConnell. You know, was in town. He didn't invite me. You know, hurt my feelings, Cage. Hurt my feelings. Okay, there, Gus Johnson. Yeah, you know, hurt hurt my feelings. You know, I can't can't believe you didn't invite me to come watch the Pacers play, dog. I was a little upset. If I was gonna invite you, it was gonna be for a Celtics game. Well, it's okay. Apparently, Indiana comes back in town on the 26th, so uh, apparently they're getting all the Raptors trips out pretty soon. That's kind of funny. But wait, anyway. Wait, 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 what? i just looking at the Pacers' schedule. They come back to Toronto on the 26th. Mm-hmm. Or no, they host. They host on the 26th. Again, I was looking at the Pacers thing. I was, my brain didn't invert. So, Aren't they back in Toronto? Indiana hosts. Indiana I don't know, but they should be back in Toronto like before the end of the year. I'd assume so. They're in the same conference. It's just not in the same division. Even though we have talked about divisions in basketball, they do matter for scheduling. But anyway, but anyway. So big return for Pascal Siakam and the Indiana Pacers leave with a win before they go and play or go and host the worst team in the NBA after the All-Star break in Detroit. But that does take them into the All-Star break with a couple wins, a couple losses there before they you know, take the week or so off while the East and West go at it. But before we talk about the uh, All-Star break and the festivities and all the competitions that will be held, we got to talk about a story that's been very uh, confusing, is the word I'm going to use, Cage. Isaiah Isaiah Stewart, uh, known in Detroit as Beef Stew, who infamously Cage got into a fist fight with LeBron James on the floor to the point where he was bleeding. Everyone remembers when Isaiah Stewart and LeBron James got into it on the floor. This time he didn't even make it onto the floor, Cage. He uh, has been arrested for assault after punching Phoenix Suns big man Drew uh, Eubank. Or Eubanks, pardon me. And that was, pri- again, prior to Wednesday's matchup. That was in the tunnel. He hit him, and he was uh, the NBA received the footage and is reviewing the incident. You know if they're going to um, if they're going to what what they're going to do with uh, Isaiah Stewart. He has been arrested for assault, and uh, apparently he's been unpro- it was unprovoked from uh, Phoenix Suns spokesperson. Again, God knows who that is. The attack on Drew Eubanks was unprovoked. And acts of violence such as, or such as this are unacceptable. We unequivocally support Drew and will continue to work with local author- or local law enforcement and the NBA. And ironically, Cage, is Stewart wasn't even going to play. Eubanks what remained available for the game on Wednesday, while Isaiah Stewart sat out doing an ankle injury. Isaiah Stewart didn't even play. And he still got in the headlines after assaulting Drew Eubanks. 
I mean, well, they don't call him Beef Stew for nothing. Yeah, apparently Beef Stew needs to get stirred. My God. Uh, you know, he must have had some beef with Julie. He, he definitely had some beef with Julie Eubanks. Like, uh, I wonder what he did. Cause it's an unprovoked. Like, what did he do previously? Well, here's the thing. I don't, Something tells me I'm not buying what Drew Eubanks said. Because I'm looking at the article right now. And even Pistons head coach Monty Williams chimed in on it. He actually called the Suns irresponsible for calling Stewart's actions unprovoked. And I quote, until you find out everything, you can't make those statements. I heard about that, and that did not need to happen. Sounds like Monty Williams knows something we don't. It's going to be interesting to see what the NBA does. Because... And what what law enforcement do because if if Eubanks doesn't press charges, they can't hold Isaiah Stewart. But mm-hmm. if he does press charges, that could get very messy very quickly. So we'll just have to see. Let that one unfold. We had to mention it. Isaiah Stewart being booked for uh, hitting, striking, and uh, assaulting Eubanks. Of the Phoenix Suns before the game even started. In the game he didn't even play in. But uh, before we hit the All-Star break. There's two other things I want to quickly mention. The Milwaukee Bucks signed Danilo Gallinari. Who was cut by the. Or I guess bought out technically. By the the Detroit Pistons. After being traded for at the deadline. A part of Mm -hmm. uh, their litany of trades. To try to uh, alleviate cap space A and B try to maximize some of their older players for some uh, draft capital. The other big one, Cage, I want to talk about that's not in our doc, is uh, P.J. Tucker, former um, Raptor, former journeyman all over all over the map, P.J. Tucker. He was fined $75,000 for publicly expressing a desire to be traded to another team. And uh, he has not played for the Clippers since November 27th. We're now into February, so that's been months ago since the vet was able to play for the Los Angeles Clippers, the team he's currently with. Mm -hmm. And uh, he agreed to sit for the Clippers. They agreed. The two teams, the team and P.J. had a conversation. They agreed that P.J. Tucker would sit until the Clippers found a trade partner for him. The deadline's already passed, and they never found anybody to to trade P.J. Tucker to. So now, Tucker's been sitting all this time, and is now kind of stuck. So it looks like they're going to be back together again. Looks like poor Humpty Dumpty Tucker is going to be back with uh, with L.A. Um, but it's going to be interesting because uh, the Clippers sent Tucker and Bones Highland, who they got in the... Uh, trade with the Denver Nuggets earlier this year. Mm-hmm. Um, they sent them home prior to Wednesday's contest against Golden State, which was their last game before the All-Star break. And both are expected to be with the team after the All-Star break. So both are expected to rejoin the team after being sent home. And again, PJ hasn't played in, you know, three months. And has already stated that he will not play in the playoffs if he doesn't play in the regular season. That, that he's not going to just kind of off the couch go play in the NBA playoffs. That's ridiculous. You know, 
especially for a 35 year old, that's not a good idea. So he expects to play in the regular season to then play into the postseason. And I would say Bones Highland's probably the same thing because Bones has played for them, played rather well, been inefficient shooting wise, but it's a pretty good player in, in Bones Highland, a guy that I like for sure. Mm-hmm. So just interesting for Los Angeles because again we we spoke about them last episode about how they are an NBA contender they're in the West they're in the mix and then this story comes out about you know them basically icing Tucker them sending Bones Highland home and it's just kind of confusing for a team that's got a lot of depth like they still have a lot of depth and a lot of really good yeah. players but you know they got to be able to make it work and right now it doesn't seem like they're making it work. You would think you would think like both of them could get bought out. So I'm like, PJ Tucker could like you could like release him. What are the what are the Clippers doing still keeping Bowen's Highland though? That to me doesn't make sense. He's young. He's got some scoring potential. Like. It just doesn't make sense. It just doesn't make sense to me. I know the Clippers are deep, but it doesn't make sense that there isn't room on the roster for them. Like, like playing time for them. And we'll see what LA does now with whatever the hell's going on down there in the Bay Area. But now moving on to the All-Star Week. Yeah, LA's in the Bay Area. No, they're not. California is the Bay Area, okay? I don't want to hear that. No, it isn't. Yes, it is. That's Oakland and San Fran. I know San Francisco's in the Bay Area, but LA's not that damn far. California big, it ain't that goddamn big. That's not the Bay Area. That's a whole other different thing. I don't want to hear that from you, Cage. Okay, LA is not that far from San Francisco. Nobody knows as LA from the Bay Area. Nobody just, said that, but you. Hey, but me, damn right. I'm the I'm the I'm the guy saying it. So, do you think I care? No, you no. Think I, do you think I, I, I give a care? I I know you don't. You just sound like a dumb. Ooh, actually, it's What's... a lot farther than I thought it was. It's actually. Oh, yeah. I thought I didn't know LA was that far north, to be honest, or is that far south, to be honest. You know that meme where everybody smacks their head at the same time. That's how, and that's how I'm feeling right now. I don't care. I don't care how you feel at all, actually. I was like, uh, yeah, I, yeah. Ironically, Kate, I, I can give a damn. <laughs> yeah, you know how you feel. Your, your direction part is a little off that time. Well, no, because I, 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 I obviously never been to California. But I didn't know, A, I, a, I didn't know Anaheim was that close to L.A. And B, I didn't know L.A. was that close to San Diego. I thought LA was on the northern side of California, where like Sacramento, San Francisco, San Jose are, comparatively mm-hmm. speaking. I didn't realize how far south LA actually is. Oh, Long Beach is right there. Okay, so I could use that reference. I have used that reference in the past. Not on here, I don't think, but Long Beach. But anyway. LA in the barrier, bruh. I mean, they are on the water. And they are in you California. You can go boating. But that's, 
They are in California, and that's the only similarity that the, that those two have. I mean, eh, you know, I, I won't argue with you anymore. I don't really, I don't, I don't care enough, Cage. I don't care enough to argue no. with you any more than that. But now moving on to the All-Star game, as we are officially in the All-Star break. Today was the last set of games before the All-Star game that we that will happen on the 18th of February. Next, uh, The next regular season games to be played will be on the 22nd of February. So basically a week off for guys who were not selected, which not, well, a couple of Boston starters that should have made it. But you know what? We... We moved, Cage. We moved, you know, Porzingis and, uh, you know, D. White snub, but it's okay. It's okay. You know, Bob Heather White. You know, it's okay. Doc, Doc Rivers can coach the team, you know, but two of the best players on the best team can't go. Of course not. Of course not. You know, that make, of course it makes no sense. Why would I think that? You know, fair point. I, I, fair point. I, 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 honestly, I honestly think their second All-Star should have been Porzingis and not Jalen Brown, but that's just me. You know what? I don't want to hear that from you, Cage. So we're going to keep moving because, again, Cage, you're going to get hit. You're going to get hit, you know? Yeah. Equal I mean, rights, equal fights. All I got to say about that. I mean, uh, Porzingis has had the more efficient and better season than Jalen Brown. Eh, yeah, but who's got the bigger star power? I don't give a damn about star power in terms of me. Like, who's had the better season? To me, Porzingis has had the better season than Jalen Brown. By the way, the uh, teams for the skills competition cage, which no offense, no one cares about. No one cares about. They might care about now that Wemby's there. Well, team Pacers, which is Tyree Halliburton, Benedict Matherin, and Miles Turner. Team top picks, which is Paolo Boncaro, Anthony Edwards, and Victor Wembanyama. And team all-stars is Scotty Barnes, Tyrese Maxey, and Trey Young. Which I got to be honest... Having team all-stars have no centers is kind of sad. Like, making Scotty Barnes be the center of those three guys is kind of sad. Kind of moves like a center, though, so that don't make just, sense. That's, that's just calling him slow. That's just calling him slow. <laughs> in I mean, he is a center and slow in comparison to the two guys that he's teammates with in terms of this team. So, Cage, I guess I'll, I'll guess I'll ask you the question, even though I, again I don't personally care. Who do you think wins the skills comp? Well, as much as I want the team top picks to win, because you know Wemby's on that team, and seeing Ant and Wemby and Brancaro go through the skills challenge will be entertaining. I got team All Stars. I know it's in Indiana, and you would think Team Pacers have an advantage, but the speed factor of Trey Young and Tyrese Max are really going to play a big role here. Well, and poor Miles Turner. Like, good God. That's no oh, offense to Miles Turner. I got to be honest, Cage. I'm taking team top picks because they probably got the three best players. Like, if you look at individuals, like, Balo Boncaro is really good. Anthony Edwards is probably a top 10 player in the NBA right now. And Victor Wambanyama who is very big and very fast for his size. And could very well be a top 10 player in the NBA very soon. Uh, from from his from his biggest fanboy on this podcast, I have no doubt you saying that. Anyway, we'll now move to the three-point contest. I'm not a big fanboy like that if I didn't say it right now. Uh, whatever you say. So the three-point contest, we've got our participants. We've got our guys that are going to be shooting in it, the eight players in it 
are Malik Beasley of the Milwaukee Bucks, boo, Jalen Brunson of the New York Knicks, Tyrese Halliburton of the hosting Indiana Pacers, Damian Lillard of the Milwaukee Bucks, who is the reigning defending champ, Laurie Markkinen of the Utah Jazz, Donovan Mitchell of the Cleveland Cavaliers, the worst player in the NBA, Carl Anthony Towns as the Timberwolves representative, and Trey Young of the Atlanta Hawks. Cage, who do you have winning the three-point contest this year? You're going to hate me for this choice. I swear to God, Cage. I swear to God. I see you tomorrow afternoon. I'm going to be on like five hours of sleep. I swear to God, Cage. Don't you say the thing just to piss me off. I will. I will. As 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 Soldier Boy once said, but in a different te- get for text, kiss you through the phone. I'll slap you through the phone. You will hit me with the you. <laughs> I'm going to slap you outside your head in a minute. Who who do you think wins the three point contest? Okay. I honestly think it would be between one of two guys. Uh huh. And those two guys oh. are. Let me get the bad name out the way. And because he's been a three point champion, kind of holds a little bit of. I went, I, went, I went the Dominican Republic? Great yeah. job. He beat a bunch of plumbers. Anyway, continue. Uh, Carl Anthony Towns. That's a, that, that's a joke Ma- pick. That's a joke pick. <laughs> and Laurie Markkinen. I love the Laurie Markkinen pick, but I got to be honest, Cage. I will bet you, and I don't have money. I don't have the money to give you. I will bet you twenty dollars that Carl Anthony Towns doesn't make it out of the first round. And see, my only reason for picking Carl Anthony Towns one, he's wanted. It's to wind me up. Two, it's to wind me up. No, but to his release and the fact that he doesn't really jump when shooting kind of plays an advantage in terms of like the timing of it, because if it got if because a lot of these guys, a lot of these guys, they usually jump really high when shooting three pointers, and to re- to have to jump and then reset timing plays a factor. With Towns, that's not the case. So the way his release is, and if he gets hot, could really bode well for him. That's probably one of maybe the only reason why I think he's got a shot of winning this. But maybe my outside pick, call me crazy, but the lesser known Bucks player, Malik Beasley. I feel like he's just one of those names that you just don't think he should be there, and then he just wows you. Well, he's shooting 45% from three this year. So he actually has mm-hmm. the highest three-point percentage of anybody in the in the uh, in the contest. He does, but you could argue he's a heavy underdog. He's definitely a heavy underdog. Because that of kind just of the bold. minutes he plays, and ironically, Cat's the number two of anybody in the three-point contest. But we all know Cat's the bomb, not going to win anyway. So who who cares about Cat? He's already won a three-point contest. It doesn't. Sh- it wouldn't shock me if he won another. Bomb. B-U-M. Bomb. Anyway. I'm going to quickly move us off of... I didn't even know Carl Anthony Towns in the three-point contest. I might just watch, watch him lose. 
and dance on his uh, grave. Um, give me, what, since you wait, picked wait. all bigs, basically, I'll take Donovan Mitchell, the hottest player coming into the All-Star break, and give me Jalen Brunson, because the guy's just a dog. Like, just give me, give me Brunson and Mitchell, and call it a day. Call it Nick's f- former adversaries in the first round last year. Give me the Nick, give me the Cav. See, I like them as players. In terms of, like, the three-point contest, I'm not so sure. I'm not so sure about that. Go on. Well, I'm just moving to the dunk contest, Cage. And in the dunk contest, there are four players in the dunk contest. Only four. Jalen Brown of the Boston Celtics. Amy Hawkes Jr. of the Miami Heat. Reigning champ, Mac McClung from the G League. And Jacob Toppin, Obi Toppin's little brother, playing for the New York Knicks right now. Former Kentucky Wildcat. So go ahead, Cage. Who wins the 2024 dunk contest? That not Jalen. Not Jalen Brown. I can tell you that much. Well, whatever you say, you know, since you're picking, you know, the bum Carl that has to win the three point contest, of course, yeah, of course. I, I, I got, so I who got do you got winning the dunk contest? The one guy who kind of brought it, who kind of half brought it back in Mac McClung. Yeah, I, you think, I you think he two peats? He's, he's creative and he's got tricks up his sleeve. He makes he he has original like he doesn't do the same dunk, and there's a special like. In order to be a great dunker, you got to do it on your first try, and Mac McClung's that type of guy. So I pick McClung. Well, no offense, but like when the whole contest is kind of like nobody's, no offense to Mac McClung, who I watched play college basketball at a couple different locations, like it's not like there were like a lot of, you know, they're like, Jericho Sims, who I like, former, I think, Longhorn, Trey Murphy, Kenyon Martin Jr. Like, there's no star there. Jalen Brown is the star of the contest this year. And if Jalen Brown doesn't win the dunk contest, the second top-in brother, Obi's younger brother, will make it two for two for the top-ins, and he'll win it. So if Jalen Brown don't get it, it'll be Jacob Toppin. And he will walk in the let same me, footsteps as Obi, who won it back in 2022 as a New York Nick. I, I can guarantee a lot of I can't guarantee a lot of things. I can guarantee you Jalen Brown ain't winning that dunk contest. All I have to say, Cage, is we all know you're wrong. Jalen Brown will win the dunk contest. Because okay, Jalen Brown's the best and most proven dunker of any one of those three guys. He's not the most creative. You don't know that. They even see him talk over IKEA. Yeah, uh, hello. Make taco, make taco fall look small. We haven't seen that yet. We're gonna, I mean the the one the one the one name that I'm seeing there. It's like why is he there? Is Hamehaka Junior? 
and that is no offense to Hamey, by the way, who has played so well for the for the Miami Heat. I also don't know why why Hamey Hawkins is there. I was like, who? Like in terms of like, like a like, I mean, he's not a nobody, but in terms of like a dunker, who? He definitely is not the most athletic guy, which is why, like, again, honestly, if that's the way they wanted to go, I want to see a dunk contest between Steph Curry, Nikola Jokic, Hamey Hawkins Jr., and... Uh, uh, Grady Dick? No, 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 no. What's his name? Uh, Kenneth Lofton. Kenneth Lofton Jr. from Memphis. That's that's the dunk contest I want to see. I want to see if, if they touch the rim, that's a 50. You might as well you might as well put Trey Young in there too. <laughs> but no, the winner's gonna be Jalen Brown. There's no doubt about that in my mind. And if he doesn't win it, I hope it's Jacob Toppin to make it two for two for the Toppin brothers at the dunk contest. That'd be I just yeah. think I just think it comes down to creativity factor, and I think McClung has it. He's a real creative player in the G League. You're right. Very creative. Very creative yeah. in that G League. Yeah, dunking doesn't translate. Dunking's not the only thing you gotta do, though. But this is a, but that this doesn't matter when it's the slam dunk contest. Okay, I think we've covered everything. Is there anything else you want to talk about before we go? Side note: Aaron Gordon got robbed twice. I mean, I think everybody knows that. That poor, that poor, poor Aaron Gordon should be like a multi, multi-time dunk contest champ, and mm. we and we'll never see him probably in it again. Sadly. Yeah. And I complain about a lot of NBA stars not, and there's complaints about NBA stars not trying to go for the dunk contest. But when Gordon said he wasn't going to do it again, I can't blame him. Yeah, I mean, you, you can't lose that many times and just keep expecting him to come back, especially when he should have won the last time against Derrick Jones Jr., who got the pity vote from his former teammate in Dwayne Wade. Mm-hmm. As everyone remembers, yeah. by the way. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think he's crying about it too much now that he's got an NBA. Now, now, now that you know Aaron Gordon as NBA champion and Aaron Gordon. That can only take Me. you so far, though. When it comes to talking, you're talking NBA champion Dwayne Wade. I mean, could be, if Denver does well, could be two-time NBA champion Aaron Gordon, back-to-back. And arguably, we talk about Nikola Jokic, we talk about Jamal Murray. He might have been the most, he may have arguably been one of the more important pieces to that championship ring because of who he had to guard. Yeah, because of his defensive responsibility. Mm-hmm. Which definitely guarding, plays a factor. Guarding Ant, guarding Carl Anthony Towns, which isn't that hard to do in the playoffs. Um, Not that hard to do, period, Cage, but anyway, continue. Especially in the playoffs. The slow, slow-footed, the, the, the lumbering Carl Anthony Towns, but anyway. The great Carl Anthony Towns. Yeah, but I said no one ever, anyway. 
No, maybe people of the Dominican Republic. <laughs> Not even. Well, anyway, Cage, before you before you draw, uh, you know, keep us any longer. Some of us have to go to sleep when sometime there, Cage. Anyway, for Cage in theory, Sandy Castleman, Spencer Byers, thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of Polar Opposites here on the Outraging. <laughs>